Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of One for One. I'm your host, Nolan Schumann, joined as always by my co-host, Miles Fuchs. Miles, how you doing? Doing good, Nolan. Uh, big Sunday football day today, watching a lot of very uh, ent- entertaining games, getting a few things done around the house. So it's a good start to the week. How about yourself? How are you doing? I'm pretty good. I got my meal prep done earlier today. So like I got that done really early. So I feel a lot better that I had like the whole day to sort of just sort of hang around the house and watch football and all that stuff. It, uh, it was a pretty, uh, it was a pretty interesting day of football actually. Cause, um, like I, 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 I tend to find, cause even though I'm an Eagles fan, I do tend to find myself paying attention to like Brown's games very often. And, I I want Baker Mayfield to be great. Like I really 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 like Baker Mayfield, but it, some days he makes it so hard to cheer for him cuz when he misses a wide open touchdown to Odell Beckham Jr., I just I just I shake my head and I I I do one of these and I just I, I just I just put my hands to my head and say, "Why, Baker? Why? I want you to be good. Just 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 please make me not look like an idiot." Well, he still won, so that's true. That is that is that is very true, um, but yeah. So it's been a it's pretty ni- it's been a pretty nice little uh, been a p- nice little um, eventful half week of hockey since we last recorded um, because there have been some cuts. There have been a few preseason games. Um, there's been uh, a, a a pretty big piece of news that dropped today regarding the Oilers and uh, and their season going forward. So. What do you say we just cut to the chase and get right into it? Yeah, I think so. The only thing that you missed, Nolan, for the table of contents oh is going to be... goodness, Nolan. What are you doing? The, the big drop for this episode is the Central Division Preview. Looking at the Hawks, Yotes, Stars, Preds, Blues, Jets, Wild, and Avalanche. So we're looking forward to that. But no more dilly-dallying let's get into a little bit of Oilers talk Nolan cuts and notes and past couple preseason games give us a little rundown well so I didn't want to go into each individual preseason game again because you know I I just I don't have time to watch every preseason game I have time to watch every regular season game but not every preseason game that's where I draw the fucking line um and yeah so over the last couple of preseason games there's been uh there's been some stories um there was the 5-1 Winnipeg blowout, which was going on while you and I were recording last time, which while the Oilers did lose pretty substantially, uh, Ilya Konovalov was fan friggin tastic in that game. Um, he pretty much kept them. He pretty much kept them in it the entire time, despite the very lopsided score. Um, so I, I think, I think with him now going down to the AHL, he's going to be like pretty dominant. Needless to say. Uh, uh, otherwise, Brendan Pirolini he just keeps on scoring. I think this guy has pretty much guaranteed himself a roster spot at this point. And he's doing it in like a bottom six role because that was my fear this entire time was like, is it maybe like a Ty Ratty situation or like an Anton Lander situation where like those guys were those guys were really good in the preseason and I, I mean utterly dominant. But with a guy like Pirolini, he's playing pretty far down in the lineup and the coaching staff is not putting him in a position where it's advantageous for him to score. He's just scoring, and I think that says something to the player himself as well as the deployment of him. So I think he's pretty much guaranteed himself a roster spot at this point. Um, but I mean, I, I know you haven't really been watching much of the preseason games, but um, do you have any thoughts on like Pierlini or anything like that? No, I just see what he's doing. He's scoring goals. Um, that's about all that you can ask for. I think that the comparison to like a Ty Rowdy is. Scary, hashtag scared, um, because, yeah, we've seen that a few times as Oilers fans with guys that get contracts and, and come up or get traded and come up and have a good preseason and then it turns to nothing. But he seems to be a little bit different. This is also a guy that's an absolute junkyard dog. He's fighting for his NHL life after a resurgence in the Swiss League, I think, is where he was playing last year. So yeah. this is a player that's highly motivated and looks to be in a position with a coach that he respects and a position with a coach that he's had a good history with. So seems like all the pieces are there. It seems like it's all coming together, and I really hope it does because he's a pretty pretty likable guy from a fan perspective, and I do want to see him succeed. And, I mean, 
essentially one for one bingo at this point, but uh, hot as shit too. So uh, he's got that going for him. Um, also, Zach Hyman just continues to look fantastic. He was playing on a line with Derek Ryan and Kyler Yamamoto in the game against the Kraken. That still feels so weird to say, game against the Kraken. Um, and yeah, he looked great. Uh, forechecking like crazy. Just seems to be in all the right places at the right time. Um, yeah, I've been, I'm just really excited to get the regular season going. I really want to see him going balls out. Um, but as for all the stories from these games, last night had, um, last night was interesting because first and foremost, I wanted, I, I texted you last night about the goal that Jesse Poyarvi scored <laughs> because the, the tip. No, not the tip. The slap shot. Oh, the, yeah. <laughs> the pass for McDavid and top of the circle, Yesi Puliyarvi just wires it like he's fucking Glenn Anderson, <laughs> like 1986. I just, I love seeing it. I love the amount of confidence the guy's playing with. He just, he, he just seems to be so excited for the regular season to start at this point. I think he's just, he's coming in with so much more confidence. It looks like he's grown his game a bit and it looks like the hands are starting to match his speed a little bit. Um, I was also watching some of the, some of the uh, practice videos from earlier on today. And it seems like he's getting a bit better as a skater. I know that last season he was, he was pretty good, but I, I, I kind of questioned his overall, his overall balance and like agility. And it looks like he's gotten a lot better over this off season. So very happy to see that. Um, the pass from Leon Dreisaitl to Ryan Nugent Hopkins on the game winning goal last night was completely and utterly disgusting. Uh, the backhand through the legs of the, uh, of the Jets defender. I cannot remember who the defender was for the life of me. Uh, but just that's just classic Leon Dreisaitl and the guy. I mean, we always talk about Sidney Crosby having the best backhand in the league, but I think Leon Dreisaitl's name definitely belongs in that in that uh, discussion. Um, but someone who was not very happy with that backhand or with the backhanders was Dave Tippett because they were questioning him about the game afterwards, and um, I think it was Jim Matheson that that had the brutal question where he was like. Uh, so, uh, only one guy seems to be able to make that pass, eh? Uh, Leon Dreisaitl. And then, uh, <laughs> and then, and then, uh, Dave Tippett kind of responded with, yeah, well, he sent one to some of his teammates and then sent one to the other team as well. So, uh, just kind of calling it a star because the team as a whole did not look very good last night, even though they won. And I think that Dave Tippett just wants them to work out these kinks now in the preseason rather than in the regular season, which... I'm perfectly okay with. I I have I have no problem with the guy. I have no problem with the guy giving the gears to the team. Um, and yeah, Cody Cece is uh, yeah okay. He's not looking very good. Uh, needless to say, he's just. I really hope that we get a better Cody Cece in the regular season, but um, so far early signs are not looking positive. I was, re- I was reading an article. Um, I can't remember who it was with, but it was ultimate. It was John Scott doing an interview, and they were talking. Switching gears a little bit here, um, John Scott was doing an interview with these guys talking about Duncan Keith. Um, did you check out any of those notes? Did you see anything about that? Um, I th- I know that he did. I know that he was. Uh, he did something with like Oilers Nation, I think. Yeah. Regardless, the yeah. whole like idea around it was, and this goes back to what you were saying about Dave Tippett calling out the stars. Uh, of the team when they turn the puck over is that that's something that like is an intangible that Duncan Keith brings to a hockey team. And that like, he was very loud and very in your face with like Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves, if they were playing like shit, if they were turning the puck over and he was always screaming at them off the bench, like that's not going to get it done. And just never letting guys uh, get away with doing things the easy way. So I'm glad that Dave Tippett is, you know, not, like oh yeah that was such a good pass like you can do whatever you want Leon everything you do is great like saying shit like that if he is turning the puck over I think is extremely important and now having an older guy in the dressing room like Duncan Keith um, that's going to hold these guys to accountability a little bit higher too is another great thing to have apparently he's the first guy to get into the room first guy to get there in the morning last guy to leave at night and if they lose he's got the iPad out and he's watching to figure out why so that it doesn't happen again rather than just letting it go and, and letting things happen that way. So it sounds like Duncan Keith is still extremely motivated and that that's something that he brings to the rink every day. So combined with pressure from the coach and pressure from the rest of the guys in the locker room, some of the older leaders, 
Um, really looking forward to the season and what's going to happen there. Talking about Cody Cece, just imagine what that's going to be like if Duncan Keith just beating the shit out of him all year, all year, um, and and keeping him uh, held to a higher standard. I think we'll get a little bit better from Cody Cece. I find that like some NHL vets take a little bit longer to to really, especially defensemen, really hit their stride. As bad yeah. as this to say, but. They're, you know, just some of them can kind of go through the motions, especially if they have a roster spot. You hate to hear that, especially from a guy that just got here, but I don't yeah. know. Cody yeah. CC just strikes me as one of those yeah. guys. Like, and like we've mentioned previously too, like for the first two weeks of, the, of last season, we were like hating Adam Larson. Um, so... I I'm not I'm not I'm not overreacting too much. It's it's more of a it's more of a just an observation more than anything. Um, I'm glad you brought up Duncan Keith because he was actually my next point here, Miles. Um, yeah, I figured I figured I'd give him a little <laughs> bit of love before you absolutely throw him to the wolves. So Duncan Keith is finally back is finally on the ice after he's uh, gotten back from his mandatory quarantine after getting the Johnson and Johnson vaccine in the U.S. Uh, and I'm, I'm not going to go too much into the whole press conference because it's it's a little tedious and you can find it all online if you want to. But basically, to put it into short, uh, Duncan Keith made some comments that he was a little bit cranky that the NHLPA essentially made the vaccine mandatory. They didn't technically make it mandatory, but with all the protocols that are involved, whether or not if you have it versus not having it, you basically have to get the vaccine at this point. Um, he was upset about that. And to that, I have to say... Sorry, man. Like, and and after the news we're going to get to a little bit later on regarding Josh Archibald, uh, yeah, I'm. I don't. I don't. I don't have time for that shit. Um, and then in addition to that, uh, there was a tweet earlier about, uh, or sorry, there was a tweet a few days ago, or sorry, I think about a week, about a week ago or something like that, um, where somebody had brought up that quote from Duncan Keith about the NHLPA not having the players' backs more regarding the vaccine. Well, Duncan, uh, the NHLPA has kept their mouth shut despite, or has kept their mouth shut about you despite all of the Blackhawks allegations that have been going on. So Duncan Keith has not been questioned about that one bit and will continue not to be questioned about it. So I don't want to hear anything about Duncan Keith um, being mad at the PA or being mad at the media or anything like that because quite frankly, there's a pretty big dark cloud that is hanging over him that nobody has addressed. So um, yeah, get to work, Duncan. I uh, hope you're ready to go and hope you're... Uh, uh, I really hope you have a good season. I, I, I want to like Duncan Keith. I, I really do. My biggest issue right now is I'm just, I'm a little bit annoyed with with the whole situation at hand. I wish he would have gotten this vaccine situation taken care of much earlier and just having that extra time in camp. But nonetheless, I'm done getting mad at Duncan Keith until he turns the puck over in his like second game. Then I'll be, then I'll be, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm fine. Um, Yeah. Did you have any other things you want? Did you have anything you want to say about that one at all? No, I don't think so. I mean, the uh, the whole um, reluctance towards the vaccine from Duncan Keith, I think, is kind of expected, and different shit like that being felt essentially forced. Well, you know, uh, as of October first in Saskatchewan, you needed it to get into a number of places, proof of vaccine, and <clears throat> excuse me, I think that's just going to be the norm. So, a little bit of uh, pushback and comments and stuff like that. I would be more upset if he had yet to get it fact he's got it he can bitch and complain if he wants but at least he did it so yeah that's true um and with that there have been uh you know what we'll just we'll just we'll come back to the roster cuts after but um since we're talking about the vaccine and covid we'll get the last bit of covid stuff out of the way before we don't have to talk about it anymore um because there was an update on josh archibald today uh uh, as it stands right now uh josh archibald will be out indefinitely uh, after being diagnosed with myocarditis, uh, which is essentially like heart inflammation. It causes like shortness of breath. Um, your like stamina goes down and stuff like that, um, which seems to be a side effect from contracting COVID earlier this summer. As we have mentioned before, Josh Archibald was a uh, 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 COVID dummy uh, on our list there. But at the end of the day, like this is sad. Like you don't want to see somebody be affected like this. Um like, I, I, I feel sad about it, but at the same time, it, it, it really sucks that he was kind of spreading that misinformation 
in addition to uh, in addition to not getting the vaccine himself. And uh, on a side note, uh, this is also similar to what Alex Stalock uh, is dealing with right now as well, and we'll keep him out the regular season. So I'm expecting that Josh Archibald will not be playing for the entirety of the season. Uh, and I wanted to bring up a uh, tweet from Cap Friendly uh, because this is kind of interesting. Uh, oh, I did not find. Anyways, but basically, with Josh Archibald, Alex Stalock, and Oscar Kleffbaum but being put on LTIR this season, it ends up freeing up an additional two point three million dollars in cap space for the Oilers to play with. So that is exciting because a guy like Colton Sevier will I I would assume is probably going to get like a vet minimum contract, which. I mean, I haven't been blown away by Colton Sevier, but I would not be upset if he does get a deal. Um, and it gives him a little bit more money to play with, maybe with with, with regards to a goaltender. But uh, from what I've seen so far, I don't know if that's going to be necessary. We will see. Um, but yeah, so sucks to see that with Josh Archibald. But at the same time, um, I think that there's a lot of guys that can fill his role on the team. So it's going to be good to... that. No matter what, it's not going to be like a massive loss to the point at where the team is really going to suffer, if that makes sense. Um, but obviously, a guy that's well liked in the room, so that's obviously a loss in, in its own way. Um, yeah. Other than that, the last thing I wanted to mention of the Oilers stuff: the roster cuts are now down to twenty-nine players, which includes four goalies. Or sorry, it would be twenty-eight players really. Because it's four goalies, but actually three because they're counting Alex Stalock on the active roster. Nine defensemen, 16 forwards after Philip Broberg. Um, is it? God. Uh, Philip Berglund as well, I think. I, Jesus, I, I don't even know how I forgot his first name. Uh, and Ilya Konovalov being sent down to the minors. I've been pretty happy with the broberg Berglund pairing for the preseason games, and I think that Broberg and Berglund are going to be very good in the AHL. And Ilya Konovalov, I think, is going to end up uh, being straight dominant. Yeah, so likely, likely going to be Jay Wood, likely going to be Jake Woodcroft's uh, top pairing in the AHL, Berglund and uh, Broberg. So it'll be interesting to see them keep playing together. Uh, I'm happy Konovalov staying in the AHL but I'm also kind of sad uh, that him and Stuart Skinner are going to be splitting as much time as they are those are two goalies that I would like to see both of them see like workhorse level games so that they can get experience so that's going to be interesting to see how they navigate um, two like really good prospects duking it out in the crease for time I just hope it doesn't stunt anybody but I think they're both gamers so it probably won't um, so believe it or not, I am actually of the opinion that I think Stuart Skinner is going to stay with the big club. I think he's going to be the third goalie. And the reason being is because I think that the team probably does not have a whole lot of faith in the health of Mike Smith. And then in addition to, and, and then in addition to that, the long-term starting success of, um, of Miko Koskinen. So I and and after Skinner's play in the preseason so far, I've been thoroughly impressed. Um, so I'd be more than happy that he takes on that sort of th- third goalie or re- er, that third goalie role, um, and hopefully gets a couple starts down the road. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, I'd like him to get some starts, but I I still think a whole season in the AHL just kicking ass would have been the best situation for him, in my opinion. But. Uh, say lovey. It is what it is. That's the way she goes. Rock and roll. Um, the last bit of stuff I want to get into before we get into the central division preview is the barrage of tweets from Robin Leonard. Um, if anybody does not know, Robin Leonard went on, uh, Spit and Chicklets uh, about a week ago and was talking about the situation between Jack Eichel and the Buffalo Sabres regarding Jack Eichel's shoulder injury and how Buffalo has been handling that. And essentially went into, or sorry, neck injury. Neck yeah. injury, neck injury. Whoopsie, whoopsie daisy. Much, much worse than a shoulder injury. Um, and kind of went into that and, and, and it mentioned that they bungled his ankle surgery as well. Uh, but anyways, this brought up, a, this, this brought up Sabres fans kind of, Shouting back against Robin Leonard, in which Robin Leonard started with, um, where is it here? Let me just, I'm, I'm pulling up the Twitter account right now. Uh, but basically, 
he said, where the hell is it? He said, Sabres fans, we didn't love each other much. Was warranted against me, some were not. Did my best, but I respect your passion for the franchise. The situation with your captain, who is mine, should be as big a problem for you as for me. I know your hearts are in the right place. Um, And then he started to follow this up by not only talking about the Sabres, but also just the NHL in general. Now, this was something I listened to. I, I, I listened to the interview just to get provide a little bit of context on this whole situation. And at one point in the interview, he brought up uh, when he was dealing with his mental health issues and after he had come out of rehab before he signed with the Islanders. And he had said something along the lines of when he was doing interviews with all these teams, there was a there was a, there was a coach um, that was asking him, about or had basically uh, had basically like talked down like his mental health and was uh, was was really wanted to dive into the whole rehab subject and anybody that's dealt with any sort of mental health or anxiety or anything like that or bipolar disorder um, you you don't really want to bring that stuff up and you don't really want to make that person feel like shit about it and I guess this coach that he was talking about was a dinosaur as he put it dinosaur that was still coaching in the league. Um, then, so he kept on tweeting, uh, last night and had mentioned about the, uh, about the Sabres. They screwed my ankle big time, then surgery and then pills. No one cared. I almost died. But after forcing leg press after a few weeks of a bad high ankle sprain, that's, uh, oh, and then he shows a, and then he shows a photo, um, that, he shows a photo of his foot after a month or sorry, after a month of surgery and it's like all swollen and like looks like shit. So they fucked up his surgery and then it turned into, um, then it turned into a discussion about the medication that's being, that's being given out. Uh, is it common for workplaces to give out benzodiazepine? So if anyone's unfamiliar, a benzo basically like helps you sleep. Um, uh, to employees when they travel and Ambien should not be done by doctor or should that not be done, but done oh, Jesus, should that not be done by doctors or a psychiatrist asking for a friend? This doesn't happen in Vegas to be clear, but I know many other teams. I've, I've also been on teams that do, but, or, but I, or yeah, sorry. Uh, Philadelphia flyers, dinosaur coach treating people like robots, not humans. Fire these dinosaurs, fire Vigneault. First story, I got proof. Try to shake your way. It, it is a lot of broken English, so if you're having trouble following along, I totally understand. Uh, and they say Ambien is a sleeping pill. It's funny that Rehab told me um, that's why didn't... Rims, I, fuck. Okay, sorry. Sorry, Robin Lanner. Uh, but yeah, just sleeping pills. Enough for today for uh, the shit goes on, and I'll be releasing a story and proof for myself, ex-players, and current players of what was going on. Truth tweets start tomorrow unless things don't get fixed. And then basically follow that up just by saying that the truth is going to come out and very sort of vague... um, Sort of like the dark puppet masters are going to work behind the scenes. Uh, So... Kind of interesting. I think there's a pretty big story to come out of this. Elliot Friedman already tweeted that the NHL is going to get in touch with Robin Leonard to see what's going on. But yeah, interesting situation. The Benzo situation is pretty, um, that's not cool. Because yes, doctors should be prescribing that, not NHL teams. <laughs> yeah, get, getting, getting, getting you hooked on an opioid. Uh, yeah. It's a great play from an NHL team. So I don't know. Robin Leonard's an interesting guy and you don't want to discredit anything that he says about because he's, you know, a very uh, big supporter for mental health and he's a very good spokesperson for it as an active player, as a very successful player in the NHL. So you don't like to see a Twitter tirade like that. It's, it makes you wonder where he's at and what's going on. So I hope that he's okay. I hope it gets sorted out. Um, I just like that, not like, but like fuck Alan Bigno. Yeah. LA. So it's okay. It's, I don't know that calling him a dinosaur made me laugh. Like that's an underrated chirp part of the, of the tirade there. Yeah. I find it like, I, especially after the stuff with like Carter Hart, this season where he was like calling out Carter Hart in the media and stuff. I, I like I I've, I've always gotten, I've always gotten the vibe that Alain Vigneault is kind of a prick to play for. So I don't know. And the flyers are just, the flyers are fun to laugh at. I'm I'm just really happy it wasn't Dave Tippett because that's the last thing we need on our hands yeah. right now. 
Well, Miles, uh, from the sad news, let's go into having some fun in the Central Division preview. Oh, yeah, baby. Central Division. I'm excited. Good division. Very, very good, good division. division. Uh, very deep division. Um, I don't want to screw around a whole lot here, Nolan. I think we should just get right into it. Do you want to talk about the first team or do you want me to introdu- introduce them? You can introduce them. I would love to, considering that my MVP pick from last year is on this team. The Chicago Blackhawks. <laughs> 24, 25, and 7 last year for a .411 win percentage. Um, quite a few notable additions and a few notable losses. Let's start with the additions, Nolan, because you cannot add before you subtract. Let's get back to bed, Mass. The first and most important addition is Seth Miss Jones, better known as Seth. Uh, coming over from the Columbus Blue Jackets. He's joined by his brother, former Edmonton Oiler, Caleb Jones. Yeah. But, the, but the real name here is Marc-André Fleury, leaving the Vegas Golden Knights where he had so much success. He will be taking over the duties in the crease there, um, splitting with a very good backup goaltender who is eh, probably shouldn't even be a backup, just maybe be a 1A, 1B tandem type thing. Tyler Johnson coming over from Tampa Bay. Henrik Borgstrom, Jake McCabe, Jujar Kara. For all you Edmonton Oilers fans out there, will now be wearing the red, black, and uh, secondary colors. And then it is the return of Jonathan Taves, a guy who was out all last season because of injuries, poor health. So we're very stoked that uh, Captain Sirius is going to be back playing for the Blackhawks. Jonathan Taves, shout out to you. Some key losses going the other way. The most important one, Duncan Keith of your Edmonton Oilers. Adam Boquist, Zach Smith. Nikita Dezorov, Pius Suter, David Kampf, and Vinny Hinstranoza. Sorry, Hinstranoza. I spelt that wrong. Damn it. Yeah. yeah. Vinny Hinstranoza, you fucking gabagool. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so this, this team had a very active offseason. Uh, they wanted to get the names, and they, they got some fucking names this offseason. And um, like you mentioned, getting the reigning Vesna Trophy winner is uh, definitely a good start. Um Remains to be seen how the Seth Jones situation is going to work out, but I don't know. I, I would say my money is on he's probably going to end up being good. I know that a lot of like advanced numbers are do not look very favorably on Seth Jones, but that's how these things always work. He's like a 26, 27-year-old defenseman. I can only imagine this is probably going to work out fine for the Blackhawks. Um, yeah, I just... They they got, they got a lot better. Uh, I can say that for sure. I, I, I think that the law. I think removing Duncan Keith from the situation is probably beneficial to them because no matter what, they were playing him in like a top pair role with like 23 minutes a game, which is not a good idea for a 38-year-old defenseman who is not Nicholas Lidstrom. Uh, getting rid of Adam Bokvist, I'm not huge on because I'm, I'm, I'm really big on Bokvist. Uh, I also do really like Pia Suter quite a bit. Uh, but, I mean, you got rid of David Comp. I don't really think you're going to miss much there. And Zach Smith to retirement. Zach Smith is just kind of old and washed at this point. But, um, no, definitely an improved team. I don't know how far they can make it up the standings, but I, I, I definitely like them. I, I like I like them more than I did last season. Needless to say, I, there's not really much else to say about them. Um, they improved. Yeah, uh, I know that last year there was quite a bit of talk, or even two years ago there was quite a bit of discussion in the media from Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves that they still thought that this was a core or a team that that could still win. They still thought they were in a bit of a cup window. Whether or not that's delusional or not, it looks like the organization is going all out for their star players, trying to give them a chance to get something going again, acquiring some. Yeah, like you said, big names, getting Seth Miss Jones and Marc-Andre Fleury and Tyler Johnson. They're going ahead and um, trying to put a roster together that can compete. And I'm sure that they will. Uh, just too bad you're in a really, really tough division and a really tough conference. I don't know how far you're going to get, but I don't think you're going to be at the front of this. Sta- uh, you're going to be the first team in the preview next year. I'll put it to you that way. Um, guys on the team in terms of fantasy that I would be looking at, obviously going to be looking at Patrick Kane. Alex DeBrincat is somebody as well that I'm big on that I think can uh, be a very special player and have some more secondary players around him is, is going to be pretty nice. Hashtag nice. Um, my bold prediction is that they make the playoffs. I don't think that that's bold, but I think they make the playoffs. Uh, so my, I mean, like you're like the MVP and 
like best player from this team for like fantasy wise. You're gonna be obviously looking at Patrick Kane, I think, but also Alex DeBrincat. My sleeper for the for the team is actually Tyler Johnson. I think after being shoved so far down the depth chart in Tampa Bay, um, playing a second line role on Chicago, I think he could be actually pretty damn good. So I'm. I'm looking forward to seeing the return of maybe like a 50, 60 point Tyler Johnson. Not the 70 point guy that you saw when they went to the final in 2015, ironically against the Blackhawks. Um, But I do think that this is a guy that is going to have a much better season than he has in years past. Um, As for bold prediction, I would say... Henrik Borgstrom scores 20 goals. I really like Henrik Borgstrom, and I think that he had a bad shake in Florida, and I'm looking forward to seeing him hopefully break out in Chicago. But I don't see them making the playoffs. Fair enough. All right. Well, let's move on to... Okay, I'll do this one, because there's a lot here. Um, The Arizona Coyotes, who moved from the Pacific Division... Well, they were in the... West last year or whatever, but before they were in the Pacific Division. Now they are in the Central with the addition of the Kraken. Arizona Coyotes, 24-26-6 and six with a .438 points percentage. They basically said, um, we are done with everything. Um, to quote the to, to quote the band Saliva, they went click, click, boom on the entire franchise. So... They traded just about everybody. Oliver Ekman Larson, Connor Garland. They moved on from Alex Goligoski. Uh, Nicholas Chalmerson retired. They traded Darcy Kemper. They traded Christian Dvorak. They let Antti Ranta walk. They let Jason Demers walk. They let Tyler Pitlick get picked in the expansion. They let Jordan Osterley walk. They let Derek Broussard walk. They traded Nate in hell. They let Michael Bunting walk. So those were... I mean, they also let like quite a bit of other guys walk. Um... And then as for the additions to the team, they brought on Louis Erickson, Andrew Ladd, just so that they could get draft picks. Um, I, I put stars beside him. Dimitri Yashkin, in case you're wondering why I put stars beside Dimitri Yashkin's name, he was like phenomenal in the KHL last year, and they basically called them back over to say, hey, let's see what you can do, Dimitri. So if that success translates over to the NHL, could Dimitri Yashkin like come back and be like a 50, 60 point guy? Who knows? I'm not banking on it, but it's something to keep in mind. Um, Antoine Roussel, Jay Beagle. So basically they got all those contracts back from Vancouver just to try and see if they could reap a little bit of assets and just get more and more and more draft picks. They signed Ryan Zingle, Travis Boyd. They traded for Anton Strauman with Florida. They traded for Shane Gostisbehere. They're going to play Victor Soderstrom, the rookie this year. They're going to play Connor Timmins, who they got out of the Darcy Kemper deal. And then they signed Carter Hutton. Yikes. Really bad goalie. And they also got Joseph Coronar in the Aiden Hill deal. And they also got like a bajillion draft picks. Oh my god, I forgot about a couple other things. They signed Alex Galchenyuk to a PTO. And then I forgot to mention too, they also lost John Hayden, Dryden Hunt, and Drake Kajula this offseason. So. Wow, that is like damn near an entire roster in and out. That is, this is going to be an Arizona Coyotes team. <coughs> Holy fuck. Uh, debuting not only new jerseys, but a basically new roster. Wow, what do you think? Who's uh, Who's sticking out to you here? Uh, so first and foremost, I wanted to mention this to you. I don't know if you knew this. They have five second round picks next year. Depth. Insane. For, so I have a couple of like bold predictions I'd like to go with, but so for one, I think if you're looking at like MVP slash like fantasy guy, you could look at guys like Clayton Keller. You could look at Jacob Chikrin. You could look at Phil Kessel. Um, I'm just really interested to see what Dimitri Ashkin does this season because like, of how good his KHL numbers were. Like He was awesome last year in the K. So I'm interested to see if he can come over. I know that foot speed has been a bit of an issue for him, um, but a guy also to keep an eye on too is Connor Timmons. But I would say my, my, my bold prediction for this season, I think Louis Erickson scores like almost 20 goals like he's going to be weirdly good for them because he's now out of Vancouver without that pressure of like his giant contract and then Louis Erickson is moved for like a second or third round pick at the deadline and it's <laughs> it's going to be so funny because Vancouver's going to be like oh fuck 
I thought this was going to be a hit. Turns out it fucking sucks. Um, yeah, I think my bold prediction for the team and my fantasy stud and my MVP and everything like that is uh, Jacob Chikrin. I think my bold prediction centers around him as well. Um, you remember Oliver, Oliver Ekman Larson a few years ago, maybe four or five years ago, was like um, um, blah, 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 was like a Norris candidate and wasn't getting any respect and was just a pure stud on a bad team. I think that that is going to be what um, Jacob Chikrin becomes this season, that he's going to be very, very good statistically. He's, he's going to be a guy that a lot of uh, people like in the hockey circles. Um, but just isn't going to get the credit that he deserves because he's in the desert. But I'm really, I guess that's a backhanded way of saying I'm really big on Jacob Chikrin. Yeah, I, I, I am too. He's really, really, really talented. Uh, I, I think this team too is also like a candidate for we're going to move a bunch of guys at the deadline. Like they're going to be the ultimate trade deadline team where everyone's like circling Arizona, like a flock of crows. Um, because... Yeah, you've got Jay Beagle, Antoine Roussel as well. Those guys make $3 million this year, but if you can move those guys for like money retained at the deadline, that's not bad at all. I mean, I don't know what the I don't know what the limit is on on guys that you can retain for, but like Jay Beagle at $1.5 million to like a depth or to, to like a playoff team that's looking for that fourth line center that can kind of go in and has that cup experience and shit like that's that's not that's not a bad pickup so i i'm i'm looking forward to seeing what they do and just i i'm excited to see them just get more and more picks i think that that's so funny and it it, it sets them up for the inevitable uh the the inevitable austin matthews pitch hey yeah 100 percent. it's gonna be it's gonna be a big one just gotta, gotta make sure it counts in 2024 um my bold prediction they spend more time at the pool and the golf course than they do at the rink i don't know i don't have much to say about arizona yeah you're right they're not gonna be very good um okay Spe- speaking of another team that's gonna be not very good Ooh, i disagree <laughs> your dallas stars 23 19 and 14 last season with a 0.482 points percentage um, this will be a lot quicker than what Nolan had to do with the Yotes. Key additions, Ryan Suter, Luke Glendening, Braden Holtby, Michael Raffle. Um, those are old men. Key losses, Jamie Alexiak, Andrew Cogliano, Stephen Johns, Mark Pissick, and Sammy Vatnin. You think that you think that they're gonna be nasty? I think they're gonna be good because I get the um I get the there's a bunch of guys on this team that are in the last year of their contract and they're going to go balls out. You got Alex Radulov, you got uh, Joe Pavelski, and then you've got John Klingberg all in the last year of their deals. Um, I like the addition of Ryan Suter. He's still really good. Uh, Luke Glendening, as much as I do not like him in a fourth line role for this team, could probably not be not bad. Michael Raffles, a nice little depth piece. And then you got to hope that Braden Holtby is a little bit better than he was last year. Um, but the biggest thing for this team is the return of Tyler Sagan. Tyler Sagan missed almost the entire year. And a big number that stands out on this team is 14, which is 14 overtime losses. That's a stupid amount of overtime losses. You convert even, you know, uh, uh, four of those into actual wins. That's you're basically nudging at the playoffs that you're yeah you're basically nudging at the playoffs at that point um I think this team also had the issue with COVID as well they had a big COVID breakout at the beginning of the season so that didn't help matters I think this team's just way too talented for them to miss the playoffs again um I can see Jason Rutgers yeah Jason Robertson continuing his development um becoming that really 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 good top six four maybe a top line guy replacing Jamie Ben um I love their Finnish guys, Miro Heiskanen. Um, oh my God, Rupe Hints as well. I just Dennis Gurianov. Like, there's a lot of talent on this team, and I just I just see them being too good for them to really miss the playoffs again. Um, I think that everything you said is why I don't think that they're going to be good because that is the same old song and dance that we've been talking about with the Dallas Stars as hockey fans since Tyler Sagan came to Dallas. They've just never been, I think that they're a team of just underachievers. And I think that that stems from Tyler Sagan and Jamie Ben. I don't think that they're like raw, raw guys that get the rest of the guys in the room, in the room going. And if that's your leadership core, there's been questions about that for a long time. I think even from their owner a couple of seasons ago, he was bitching about Tyler Sagan as a leader and stuff, but Dallas is just very 
un, uninspiring to me as a team. And I don't think that these additions that they've made are sexy or good or really going to pay off, in my opinion. I don't know. I think that Dallas is a fraud group personally. And a big issue that I have with them is the situation that they've created in the crease. And I guess I get what they're doing. They're trying to hedge on the bet that um, uh, Ben Bishop is going to be healthy. And if he's not, well, then we have Holpe and Hudobin that are ready to go. But lost in the whole shuffle of this is a guy called Jake Ottinger, who is a very talented goaltender for the U.S. Development Program, World Junior Program. He played pretty good last season with a team that wasn't terrific in front of him. Um, So he is definitely better than playing in the AHL and I think that he should be getting NHL looks but now he's logged as like the fourth goalie on this team probably starting his year in the AHL Ben Bishop just, is probably not going to play this year just as uh, just as an FYI like no I, saying, I was I was reading an article from the NHL the other day that that's the three of them is they're waiting to see what happens with Ben Bishop anyway and it sounded semi-positive I, I, th- I think he I think it's looking like he's going to end up missing the entire year I I don't I don't see him coming back even if he does they still got Jake Ottinger as a third goalie which doesn't really change the point that I'm making here they they set themselves up with older goalies instead of having Jake Ottinger get an actual shot and I think that that goes um, speaks volumes to the lack of direction that this team has so that's why I'm less than inspired by Dallas. I think that they missed the playoffs. Bold prediction. Mm. I think Miro. I think Miro Heiskanen is my fantasy and MVP pick for the team, just because he's too good not to be. Um, but Dallas, I'm. I'm not big on. I don't. I don't think that that's it. I am big on Dallas, so we can agree to disagree. You fucker. Uh, <laughs> um, as for my uh, my fantasy guy, I. I mean, I'm. I'm go. I'm going back to Tyler Sagan. I. I. Th- I really love the talent of him. I. Or I. Ooh, that that sounded weird. Uh, I just I just really like the player, and I think when you get him playing with a guy like Jason Robertson on the power play, that's going to go a long way. Uh, like a sleeper guy on this team, I I, re- I really think it's time for Rupe Hints to have that big breakout. So I like him as a sleeper. And as for a bold prediction, I am picking this team to go to the conference finals. Holy shit! Yes, I am a, very big a, on Dallas. Is there a gas leak in your house? No. I, you sound I, insane. They went to the fucking cup final two years ago. Lock. They're not that much different. Bubble lock. They're not that much different. We'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> uh, moving on from there, we've got a team that I'm really not big on, the Nashville Predators, because this team needs to decide what the fuck they're doing. Uh, 31-23-2 for a .482 points percentage. Um, basically, the key addition, or well, we should start with the key losses. Ryan Ellis, Victor Arvidsson, Pekka Rinne, Callie Yarncroke, Eric Halla, Brad Richardson, and Eric Goodbunson. Um, good Branson, but you know, you know, you know, you know, we, you know, we gotta laugh at it. But, um, in addition, well, what they got back from that was Philip Myers, Cody Glass, and then they signed David Riddich. Now, my biggest issue with this team is when they made the Victor Arvidsson deal, I was saying, great. Nashville is doing what they need to do, which is selling off assets. They're going to go they're going to go young. They're going to try and rebuild this team. Then they signed Michael Granlund to a 4-year deal worth $5 million per year. I should mention this is a 29-30 year-old Michael Granlund. I like Michael Granlund. Michael Granlund is a good player. But I do not know why the Nashville Predators are signing him to that kind of money. You have Matthias Ekholm, who was on the last year of his contract. Um, you're essentially going to put either Dante Fabro or Philip Myers in a top pairing role. Like, so what? You're you're banking on fucking Roman Yossi and his band of merry men. Like, there is talent on this team still. Like, Philip Forsberg is quite good, but. I, and then you hope that a guy like um, like Eli Tolvanen is good, but I don't know what the hell they're doing. I really don't, and I I'm I'm just I think this team is a big bucket of yuck. Yeah, they're they're a concerning group. Um, it's it's an identity crisis for sure. They don't. It doesn't seem like ownership or management knows what direction they want to go with this team. The Victor Arvidsson move was like just a massive head scratcher for me as well because it was designed for um protection for the expansion draft or something like that right they're like oh we're gonna lose them so we might as well get something back for them anyway um but 
great player. It sucks that he's not there anymore. I think it's going to be a loss. It's going to be felt throughout this team. It's kind of sad that you didn't include Nolan Patrick as a key loss because he was a predator for like six minutes. <laughs> um, just kind of funny. I don't know. Um, but yeah, big save Dave behind UC Soros is tough. You better hope to God nothing happens to UC Soros because Dave, big save Dave is not what you're after. Um, or not going to get it done for you anyway. But I'm very, I don't want that to dis- sound any sort of discrediting to UC Saros. I'm very big on UC Saros. I think he's a really good goalie. He's was, awesome. Was in the Peke Rene school of excellence for a number of years. And I think that does nothing but help him. But yeah, I think that they are a few injuries to some key guys away from like a cataclysmic disaster. And I just don't know if I trust them in general. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, MVP and fantasy pick for me is Roman Yossi. I think that's probably going to be similar to you as well. And my bold prediction is I pay, or I'm going to say that they are going to trade Philip Forsberg at the trade deadline and get like a first round pick back. Um, I think that they're going to be deadline sellers as well. I could see Forsberg moving. I could see Ekholm moving. Um, But my MVP pick, maybe just to be different, is going to be UC Saros. I I think he's nasty. Yeah. Just yep. nasty, nasty. That's a good pick. So that's he bails me. out a lot of their defensive issues, man. Yeah, he um, absolutely does. Uh, Dmitry Filipovich actually he posted a video because he was kind of running through. He was running through like zone exits and transitions off of the playoffs last year, and he and he and he singled in on the Ben Harper Eric Branson pairing, and it's one of the funniest things I've ever watched. Um uh moving on from there, Miles, do you wanna do you want do you want do you wanna tell us what our what our next team coming up is? Uh, I'd love to. A team that has a special place in my heart, the St. Louis Blues, 27, 20, and 9 for a 0.491 win percentage last season. A few key additions that uh, one of them is going to be very tough to say, and some key losses that I think are going to be quite noticeable in this team. Um, it is worth mentioning that we, uh, f- friend of the show, f- f- kind of like not really like a mean girls type friend of the show is on this team uh, that one Jordan Bennington, uh, but some key additions here. <laughs> we love making fun. We love making fun of Jordan Bennington. Uh, please come on the pod. Uh, key additions. Pavel Butchnevich comes over from the motherland. And by the motherland, I mean the New York Rangers. Brandon Sad coming. Michael Froelich on a PTO. James Neal and his dentine ice teeth. From the your Edmonton Oilers, he's coming over to the Blues on a PTO, and Scott, another Russian. Nope, Pernu- not nope, not a Russian. Pernovich. Pernovich <laughs> is not Russian. Scott Perenovich. Perenovich. <laughs> and that's so Perenovich is not Russian. Perenovich <laughs> is a pierogi man. He, he, yeah, he's probably a Ukrainian. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he's probably got a Ukrainian background. I'll yeah, I'll, I'll get in. I'll, I'll get into Scott Perenovich after. But anyways, <laughs> so go on. Key key losses. Former uh, Notre Dame Hound Jaden Schwartz. <laughs> oh! Tough to see. Uh, <laughs> Alex Steen, see you later. Mike Hoffman and his mean girlfriend are out as well. Vince Dunn, center to Seattle. Carl Gunnarsson, bye bye. Sammy Blies and Blay. Blay? Blay. Yeah. and Zach Sanford. Nolan, I don't have enough like hard drive in my brain to remember hockey player last name pronunciation. So That's good okay. on you. But um yeah, if I could, I'd be a doctor. Um St. Louis Blues. I'm looking at some of these names coming in, some of these names going out. They were kind of uninspiring. That's my word of the episode is uninspiring. That might be the episode title. Uninspiring. Uninspiring Central un, Division un, preview. Yeah, uninspiring Central Division. Uh, yeah. So uh, I'm not a big. So the 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 biggest thing about this team is what's going to happen with Vladimir Tarasenko because if Vladimir Tarasenko is gone, then you can pretty much say that this team is going to miss the playoffs. I I, I would say because if, if you're not going to have that scoring now. What I will say is the guys they added, I really like. And I like those additions over the guys they lost. Uh, Jaden Schwartz, while I do like him as a player, I think him and Brandon Sauter pretty well. Just like flip-flop, it's fine. Um, Mike Hoffman is a basically a power play specialist at this point. Um, don't expect anything five-on-five. Five. And I fucking love Pavel Buchnevich, and I think they got a complete and utter steal for the player. So 
I really like I I I I think I think I like them this season and I love the fact that they're finally going to play Clem Costin who I've been really big on for a while. But the reason why I put into little brackets is an X factor Scott Perenovich. This guy was a Hobie Baker winner. He was one. He was the best. He was the best defenseman and best player in college hockey. Was a complete and utter superstar, and he is a undersized puck moving defenseman, kind of similar to Vince Dunn. But I think his ceiling is far higher. I think this is a guy that can basically be another Tory Krug for their team. Um, and I just, I'm really excited. And from what I've seen in preseason so far is they're playing him a lot. They want to give him lots of minutes and he's, he's a smooth skater. He's, he's got a, he's, he's got a good first pass, great vision. I, this, that, that could be a guy that completely changes the outlook of their team. And he could very well be like that dark horse Calder candidate. But, um, as for the, like MVP and stuff, I would say, I would say the uh, like fantasy guy for for me is probably still Tory Krug. The guy rocks up points like crazy on the uh, on the power play. Um, but for the actual MVP of this team, it's hard to not say Ryan O'Reilly because he's just fucking awesome. And then as for my bold prediction for this team, I'm gonna say that Vladimir Tarasenko is not traded. Yeah, I would agree with your bold prediction on that. I just don't think that there's, well, you would have to ball out for there to be a market worth his value. So we'll have to see, but I just, I don't know if he's going to. Um, My team, or my fantasy pick for them would be Butchnevich. I think that he's going to be a a dark horse candidate, like a guy that's going to produce pretty high um, and take over some of the, some of the Mike Hoffman power play shit but just overall a better player that can actually contribute five on five but yeah team mvp i think is ryan o'reilly definitely the heart of the team here i also really like rob thomas so yeah right yeah i just, I just want to say i like rob thomas I he's so smooth that. um my prediction is that oh, they, you did hear. yeah no i heard it i'm not, <laughs> not giving you that <laughs> Um, my prediction is that they black out at the St. Louis Cardinals um, victory celebrations this year because that's all they're going to be celebrating. Yeah, I don't know. I, th- that that's another team that's just going to kind of sit in mediocrity, I think, for the next couple of years. Um, next up, we've got the Winnipeg Jets, who. Basically, long story short, boo, boo, boo the Jets. Boo boo. The Jets. Um, long story short, we're not going to spend too much time on uh, on, for lack of a better term, but we're not going to spend too much. Uh, we're not going to spend too much time on these fuckers um, because all they did was they added a couple of defensemen. They added Brendan Dillon and Nate Schmidt, who are two good defensemen, and Nate Schmidt especially is probably let go from Vancouver way too early. Um, so lol the Canucks. Um, but they did lose. Hold on a second. They what did lose. Guys. They did lose Sammy Niku, Tucker Pullman, Mathieu Perrault, Laurent Brassois, Mason Appleton, Jordy Ben, Trevor Lewis, and Nate Thompson. So essentially they moved on from a good chunk of their bottom six so that they could maybe move a guy like uh, like Cole Perfetti into the lineup. Who knows? Um, and then, like I said, they just got better on defense, and that was really what they needed to do. They were a complete and utter dumpster fire on defense, but somehow swept the Evans and Oilers. Fuck. Um, <laughs> but yeah, for Team MVP, I think this has to be unanimous, unanimous across the board. It's Connor Hellebuck easy um, because... Connor Hellebuck is just ridiculous. Um, if you uh, if you're wondering, yes, least valuable player is definitely Mark Shifley. Um, as for my uh, fantasy guy for this team, probably Nick Ehlers. I I love Nick Ehlers. I I wish he was an Oiler like a lot, but that would have that would have meant that they wouldn't have drafted Leon Dreisaitl. So maybe not that much. Um, as for my bold prediction for this team is. Despite their additions on defense, they still end up in a wild card position. Um, I think my team MVP, my fantasy guy, would have to be Connor Hellbuck. I think he's just too damn good. This is a good division for goalies. 
TBH is, is, what, yeah. is, is what I'm is what I'm finding here is the drum that I'm beating. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Oh. Yeah, Nick Ehlers, nasty. <clears throat> what is happening? I might. I think I have a frog. I ate a frog. Um, Nick Ellers, I think, is a, is a very good player as well. It would be tough tough not to pick. I really like that pick from Enola, and that's good stuff. Um, I want them to be bad, but I think that they're going to still make the playoffs out of this division. Yeah, I'm still picking them to make the playoffs, but I think a lot of people <clears throat> think that just because they got Nate Schmidt and Brendan Dillon that they're going to end up as like a top two, like like top two place in, in, in this division. But we'll see. We'll see. Um, as for up next, um, do you want to, do you want to introduce number seven? I would love to introduce number seven, Nolan. And that is from the state of hockey, the Minnesota wild last season going 35, 16 and five for a 0.598 points percentage number of players out number of players in. Why don't we do a little bit of talking about it? Um, key additions, Alex Goligoski, John Merrill, the mullet King, former Edmonton Oiler had a cup of coffee here last season, Dmitry Kulikov. Jordy Ben joins the team. Frederick Gaudreau joins the team as well. Um, Matt Boldy, he's a rookie. Uh, I would like to include these two, uh, but the return of Marco Rossi. I think a lot of guys were really excited about Rossi. I think I pronounced his name wrong. Fuck whatever. Way she goes. Um, who was very noticeably not on the team last year, sent back to Switzerland because he was having some horrible complications from contracting COVID. So Marco Rossi looks to be better and is going to be joining the Minnesota Wild. Um, uh, Kill Kaprizov obviously got re-signed as well, met, worth mentioning. And then we have maybe uh, Kalen Addison. Is that his name? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know very much about him, so I'll be looking to have you fill in there. But some key losses, the two most notable. Um, the buyout boys of Zach Parise and Ryan Suter. Ian Cole, Carson Soucy, a couple other defensemen for them are, are out of there. Marcus Johansson is gone. Uh, Nick Benino is out. And Brad Hunt is out. So, former Edmonton Oiler. Former Edmonton Oiler Brad Hunt is out. Um, key additions, key losses, just doing a quick look back and forth. I like who they brought in. I like what Minnesota did here. I think this team looks okay. Um, I am very excited to see Marco Rossi play though with Kaprizov I and this am, new look team yeah. of, the, of the Minnesota wild. I think they're, they're going to be fun to watch. They're going to be talented. I'm telling you right now, Matt Boldy is going to be fucking awesome. He was selected a couple, he was selected a few picks after Philip Broberg. So once again, um, I, Philip Broberg better be good because some of the talent that's going behind him is uh, starting to uh, starting to show their sh- starting to show their colors. Um, but yeah, I I completely agree with you. I I like a lot of the guys they added. I don't think they got. I, I think they they. I mean, they bought out Ryan Suter and Zach Parise, but they're but they're replacing Zach Parise with some talented rookies, and they're replacing Ryan Suter with Alex Goligoski, and who's still really good. Um, I think they're going to miss Nick Benino a lot. I think more than they think because he was fantastic defensively last year. So I'm going to miss that. Kalen Addison is a is a a, a, a big maybe. Uh, right-handed defenseman selected by Pittsburgh came over in the. Um, oh my God! Why do I always forget his name? Uh, Jason Zucker trade. So that could be a nice little pickup for them. Yeah, I think this team is just about getting better with Kirill Kaprizov. Um, you know, hoping that guys like uh, hoping guys like Capo uh, Kakinen and Cam Talbot are still able to shut the door. Um, got a talented captain in Jared Spurgeon, a guy that I could see having a nice little breakout. Well, he's already broken out, but having that big offensive season. As for MVP and fantasy pick, it's probably got to be Kaprizov. And then as for like my my I'm I don't want to say sleeper but I really think Matt Boldy is going to be very good and it's going to be a guy that we're going to be talking about pretty shortly and he could also be on that he could also be in that like Calder discussion uh as for my bold prediction for this team I'm going to say the Minnesota Wild are going to trade for Jack Eichel no I'm not going to say that I'm just kidding uh I'm going to say that uh I'm going to say Marco Rossi uh, ends up making the team and he has 55 points this season. Let's go with that. 55 points in the season would be yeah. damn good for, for him. Would be a damn good story. We'd like to see that. <clears throat> um, I think like uh, Matt Dumba, Jonas Brodin would be two guys as well for a defenseman perspective that can put up some points. So for your fantasy teams, if you see them sticking around, don't be afraid to pull the trigger. Um, 
yeah, I think Minnesota is going to be – my prediction for them is that they are going to be a pain in the ass to play against all year and are going to get a little bit more respect this year than they have previously. I think they're going to be a good hockey team. And finally, the team that probably has the biggest monkey, not on their back, Miles, on their chest, uh, the Colorado Avalanche. 39 a full-grown full silverback on yes, their chest. Yes, uh, they point. they are they are being ripped apart by a gorilla as we speak. 39 13 and 4 for a 0.696 percentage. President's Trophy winner. This team was fucking stupid this year. Uh in additions well, you know what? We probably talk about the losses first. They lost their starting goaltender, Philip Grubauer. They lost Brandon Saad, Matt Calvert, Pierre Edward Belmar, and traded Ryan Graves. Now with their additions, they brought on Darcy Kemper, Darren Helm in a bottom six role. They're going to play Alex Newhook much more, so he'll probably be elevated into like a top six role. Uh, Ryan Murray basically covers up for the loss of Ryan Graves. Mikhail Maltsev from the New Jersey Devils is coming over. And on PTOs, they brought in Jack Johnson and, and Artem Anisimov. I'm expecting Jack Johnson to get signed from what I've been seeing all over Twitter. It looks like um, Colorado coaching staff and management really likes him, which is kind of shocking. But this team is, they. I would say if there's one team that has the most pressure on them this season, it's probably the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, they almost lost, uh, well, I don't know if they actually did, but it looked like they were maybe going to lose Gabriel Landeskog this offseason, but they didn't. They were able to re-sign him. This team's really, really, really good. Um, Bowen Byram's going to have a bigger role on the team, and I just think it's just puck movement, get it, getting uh, pucks on net. And that's that's about it. You, you've got all the talent in the world. It's just about converting now. Uh, I mean, you better hope. I mean, as much as I really like Philip Grubauer, I don't know necessarily if he was the if he was you know the straw that stirred the drink. But <laughs> <laughs> but I I I really like that they brought on Darcy Kemper. I wanted him to be an Oiler. Yeah, this 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 team's really good for MVP and all that. I would say, I mean, it's it's easy. It's Nathan McKinnon. He's really, really, really good. Also, Kale McCarr, if you if you want to go in that direction. Um, but for the bold prediction for this team, I'm gonna say they lose in the second round again. That's not bold. I think they're gonna lose in the second round as well. <laughs> um, my fantasy pick for the team would be just based on value, uh, Miko Ratnan. I think he gets slept on a little bit, and I think that guys will reach a little bit more for McCarr and um, Nate McKinnon. But I think that you could get um, Miko, Miko Ratnan for like good value, and he'll he'll put up good points for you. Alex Newhook would be another good one if he does get that top six role on the team. Um, he'll be a, a big beneficiary. A lot of question marks here are revolving around like what Nazem Kadri is going to do, if he's going to bounce back, different things like that. Um, but their decor is very good. Their forwards are very deep. I just don't know what it is. They've got something about them that makes me think that they're just not going to get past the hump. They're not going to get past the second round. Um, I don't know why. I just really don't think they will. It's, I it's, love, it's more of just a previous history thing more than anything. I, lo- I love all the memes about um, about Nate McKinnon being just a regular guy who doesn't eat sugar. Stuff like that <laughs> I think is really funny. But yeah, I don't know. Not sold on the abs. Abs fans, eat your heart out. It is what it is. Um, I hope they prove us wrong just because it would be nice to see a team play well, um, like a good team play well. But they're uh, so fun to watch, too. Like, that's, they that's are, the, that's they are the so biggest fun thing. To watch. Yeah, they're like, um, they're a transition monster. Yeah, I think Darcy Kemper is going to be very good, is, is going to plug in very nicely as the replacement to Philip Grubauer. So I don't really think that he was the the straw that stirs the drank. I think that you can plug and play a pretty good goalie in there and get away with things. So exactly. I, think they'll be, I think they'll be okay. Um, well, that pretty much wraps it up, Miles. Projected standings, Nolan. What do you got oh, for fuck. the Central Division? Uh, okay, so one, I still got Colorado. Two, I've got Dallas. Uh, three, I've got, you know... Three, I've got the Minnesota Wild. Four, I've got the Winnipeg Jets. Five, I've got the St. Louis Blues. Six, I've got the Nashville Predators. Um, or no, sorry. Six, I've got the Chicago Blackhawks. Seven, I've got the Predators. And in eighth place, I've got the Arizona Coyotes. 
Arizona Coyotes. Uh, mine looking a little different. I've got the Abs in one, the Wild in two, the Jets in three, the Hawks in four, the Blues in five, Stars in six, Preds in seven, and Coyotes in eight. Now, I will say that if there was any division I am the least confident about my picks in, it is probably this one because, like, Hawks, Blue Stars in the bottom three, Jets, Hawks, Blue Stars, really any one of those two could be a playoff team. So this division is going to be really fun to watch. I think that there's going to be some good battles all throughout the year. Going to be a really high level of competition and just very excited for the season to start. Um, It's fun to talk about good good divisions and different things like that so we are excited uh, for things to get going in the central metropolitan atlantic and pacific divisions which will be next week i'm very next excited week. for that next week october 13th is the big day so well, nolan, miles. And I, nolan and i have that plan for you folks we're going to be getting the pacific division preview done next week but i think that about wraps it up my guy you have anything else you want to say nope close her off my friend Thanks as always for tuning into the one for one, uh, one for one podcast. This has been season two, episode four, three, episode three. Close enough. Myself excited. Thanks again for tuning in. And as always, go Oilers go. Go Oilers go.